You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so today, the final countdown. We're talking about Jesus' return and uh, how he's coming back, all right? And uh, I'm going to probably say some things that are going to sound elementary to some of you who've been in church 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Okay, that's all right. Is that, is that okay? Because there are some people here that they're going to hear some things today they have heard for the very first thing in their life. And so to make sure they hear it, you might have to hear it for the 300th time, but that's okay, right? So we're going to do that. So what is this? Uh, Jesus return? I mean, haven't most of us kind of heard that, that Jesus is coming back or something, whether you, you know what the rapture means or any of that kind of stuff, don't we kind of know that? I mean, I even see it sometimes in TV shows or movies, you know, somebody will say something about it and say, you know, it's not a, it's not a Christian movie or anything, but so it's kind of like, doesn't everybody know that? Well, well, why do we know this? Okay, several places, lots of things in Scripture. Let me take you to one very specific, John chapter 14. This is not long before Jesus was crucified, and he said, he said my father's house has many rooms if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? So he'd already told the disciples before that, because he said, would I have told you that in the first place? And if I go and prepare a place for you, now, now wouldn't it be silly to go prepare something for somebody and then not go get them? He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So Jesus promised to come back and to take Christians back to be with him, okay? So he promised this. So when we talk about the return of Jesus, this is what we're talking about. He said, he said I'm coming back. I mean, none of us believe we're going to live forever on this earth, do we? I mean, do we believe we're going to live? I mean, some of you hoping for 100 years, you know? I got some, I got some old, old, old agers and, you know, in my family, you know, and I, I don't plan to break the tradition. You know, I want to I live, you know, as old as long as possible. But none of us believe we're going to live forever on this earth. What, what happens after that? Jesus is coming back at some point, and when he comes back, there are going to be a lot of people that have died in, in, in their Christian faith. They've died, and he's coming back for them, but there are going to be obviously a lot of people that are alive, and he says, I'm coming back, and I'm going to take you to, back to be with me. So why do we get excited about this, and why are people excited about it right now? Because we believe we call these the last days. A lot of people call these the last days, and, and you've probably not heard. I, I mean, I think a lot of times what we do in, in, in church is we kind of overstress something. We get way over here and we preach it, preach it, preach it. And then we say, oh, man, we just, we just done that one to death. And then we kind of go way over here and you don't hear anything about it for forever. You know, and we don't hear a lot about it. And then now, you know, we have, we have COVID and we have the pandemic. We have all this stuff. And now some people are talking about it again. Well, what are the questions? Okay, so, so why is it that we're interested in it right now? Why do we think that this? So let me, let me, let me give you, and I'm going to give you, now these are just mine, okay? I'm going to give you what I believe, what I feel are the top 12 signs of Jesus' return being soon, okay? We're going to do this real fast, okay? Put your seatbelts on. I hope you got that, that, uh, that uh, website a few moments ago that Lexi was talking about so you can look at these later, all right? But here, here they are. These, are. these are my top 12s right here. Uh, and the first one is wars and rumors of wars. This week, I went and, and I counted up 59 active uh, armed conflicts going on right now in the world, okay? Uh, famines and pestilences. You know, famine, they're, they're, you know, there are people in our country that are hungry, right? There are people in our country that are hungry. But 
As a nation, the United States of America, we don't understand what true hunger really is. There are people who are dying, I mean, who will die today because they didn't have anything to eat for the past couple of weeks. People are dying for hunger. And, the, and in pestilences or, or diseases, just in the past uh, four decades, we've had COVID, right, obviously, Ebola. We've had Zika. We've had MERS. We've had H1N1. We've had SARS. We've had AIDS. All, all of these big, huge, and not all the other, think about all the other diseases and things, but these big, huge ones that, that hundreds of thousands of people have died from uh, in, in just in the past four decades, earthquakes in a variety of places. Since 1900, the number of earthquakes ha has steadily increased, and, and I, I could get, bore you to death with numbers right there, but I just want you to know it's just steadily increasing, computers and worldwide interconnectivity, and uh, this is where in, Rome, in Revelation chapter 13, the Word of God tells us that the whole world will be numbered, and that's where we get, you, you ever heard of the, the mark of the beast, 666, you know, and, and you know you're supposed to be scared of that, some of you, but you don't know why, right? And, and it's because of the Antichrist and, and how he's going to number the whole world. You know what? That could have never happened at any other time in history except now, until our generations. When now that we have computers and, and this interconnectivity so that, so that the whole world can be numbered. I mean, we, we kind of know how many people there are in the world today. And, you know, previous generations didn't know that. We had ideas, but we didn't know that. We know that today. Our transportation and knowledge will greatly increase. And, and uh, if you think about it, about how transportation has greatly increased and how knowledge has greatly increased. Uh, one of the examples I like to give is, is you know, you, you could take my grandfather, my, you could take my grandfather a thousand years into the past and he could have made a living. He could have raised a family and made a living. But you couldn't, you couldn't bring him 50 years into the future and put him in the middle of commerce and, and him make much of a living because things have changed that much just in our lifetime. Uh, the Jews returned to Palestine. Actually, in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8, it hints at saying that it's going to happen so fast, it's going to be like it was in one day. In, uh, in, in uh, 1948, Israel became a nation. And if you didn't know that, you might think Israel's always been a nation. No, Israel hasn't been at home for, for millennia until 1948. That has also happened in our, in our lifetime. The good news of Jesus is spread across the world. Um, only in our lifetime has, have there been satellites and has there been internet. And in our lifetime, more, uh, more uh, languages have had the Bible translated over 3,000, I think something like 30, 3,400 languages in the, in, in the world uh, have had the Bible translated into their language. Uh, deceitful, greedy, false religious teachers. I meant, do I need to say any more right there? Ethnos will rise against. And here's, a, a lot of people translate that to say nation will rise against nation. But if you look at the actual Greek, Jesus says, he uses the word ethnos. Ethnos will rise against Ethnos, race will rise against race. And you know, I think a lot of times in the past, when, when people were looking at that and trying to translate, they say, oh, they're talking about nations having wars, and they didn't realize how in the world could people of the same nation just begin to attack one another because of different ethnos. But you and I know that we're living in that, right? Anti-Semitism, Christian persecution, and martyrdom. Um, there are people who track this kind of thing. And, and uh, just this year, let me just say, just this year, over 3,700 Christians have died in this world that we know of because of their faith. And so you and I, we don't know that. So we, don't, we act like, well, that's not happening. Yes, it's happening. 
Over 3,700 that we know of have died. Over 3,400 churches and Christian buildings, church-owned buildings, have been attacked this year alone. Over 3,200 uh, Christians have been falsely imprisoned, have been, uh, have been arrested, or have been sentenced uh, because, just simply because of their faith. Perilous times, lawlessness, cold-heartedness, and there are the scriptures, selfishness, rebellion, seeking of pleasure and materialism. Have all these things been around? Yes, they've all been around, but it is increasing so much in our lifetime. That is why people who read the Bible and study the Bible and study these things say, this has to be the last time. But here's, I think, kind of the way I look at it is like, here's the scary part. These aren't the last times. That means this is saying that it's going to be worse than this when it gets to the last times. So I'm going to pray, God, make this the last time because I don't want to see a time that is worse than the time you and I are living in. But you know what Jesus says in the middle of all this? You know what he says? Give me that next scripture. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also me. And you know where he said that? I don't know if you recognize that. John 14, verse 1. We, were at, we began at John 14, 2 and 3, where he said, in my father's house are many rooms. And right before that, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. All these things are going on. Don't let your heart be, you trust God. Now trust me also. Trust me, believe in me, because in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, what I've told you, I'm coming back. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come back again. So he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Okay, when people ask me to talk, um, I wish we would have some discussion. Let's have a small group and just talk about all the signs of the end times. You know, one of the reasons I somewhat back away from that, one of the reasons I do is because I, and I, I saw this. Someone posted it on Facebook, Boo Hiss. I know some of you are thinking Boo Hiss, right? I, I wish I'd written it down because I, I would like to say it as succinctly as they said it. So I'm not going to be able to do it. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. And they said, we spend way too much time talking about, worrying about, and preparing for the coming of the Antichrist, and we should be spending more time preparing for the appearance of Jesus Christ. And see, I think that when we focus on that previous slide there, yet we need to know that, that, that the Bible said those things are going to be worse in the last days. But if we focus on that, we're not going to be able to do this. <laughs> Because we're going to be wringing our hands all the time. We'll come back quickly, Lord Jesus. Get us out of here. All of this is we're not going to be able to trust in him and have confidence in him and to not let our heart be troubled. So then, if we're not supposed to be troubled during this time, if we're not supposed to be focusing on all those signs that are pointing to the coming of the Antichrist and the beast and the mark of the beast and 666 and, and the tribulation and, and, and that persecution and all those things, then what should we be doing. Glad you asked, because that's where we want to spend the rest of this message, okay? And, and uh, I don't know if you could tell, but I was hurrying through that so I could, uh, <laughs> I could get to this with you, okay? So what should we be doing then? If, if these are the last days, what should we be doing? Because okay, first thing is, we should be the church. This, the return of Jesus, is too important. It is too monumental for us to simply be comfortable in going to church, we must be the church. It is, this is too important. This is too vital. This is, this is too make or break. This is too eternal 
for us to be comfortable just showing up on a Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes and checking it off and say we did our part. It's not enough for us to go to church, to have church, to establish church. We must be the church. Might mention that again in a few moments because I want that to kind of be an over, overriding thought right here, okay? So what does that mean then to be the church? Okay, one of the first things we got to do is we've got to, and I know this looks like it's the next slide, but I'm, I, I know I'm jumping ahead. I'm coming back. Just, just hang right there with me for a minute, Kevin. Is we've got to lose the filters. Okay, let me take you to a map right here. Go ahead and bring the map up to just illustrate this for just a moment. Does anybody have any idea what this map is actually illustrating? Anybody? No, there wasn't a tsunami there that wiped out all that or anything like, like that. Anybody? You know, here, here's what this is. Do you, do you see where you live? Okay. Kind of hard to zoom in, you know, and see where you live, but we're over here, right? We're nowhere near the circle. We're, we're way over here. You can see Florida sticking down right there. And so, you know, in my mind's eye, I always go up just a little bit and over, you know, go up a little bit and you're almost to Atlanta and then go over a little bit, right? So that's where we're, so we're way over here, right? So what is, what is this map showing us? This map is showing us that there are more people alive inside that circle than there are living outside that circle. There are more people right there than, than all the rest of the world together. But you know what we do? We, we view so many things in life through our filters, our American filters, or our Southern filters, you know, like, like people arguing in church back years ago. I hadn't heard some of these in a long time, but people arguing over, you know, which version, translation of the Bible that we ought to be using. You know what? I, I, like, I mean, there was some big argument back just a few decades ago about uh, the new translations coming out and how we need to stick with the King James. But you know what? King James is not going to work inside that circle. And if the King James doesn't work inside that circle, it means that the King James does not work for the majority of the people in the world because the majority of the people in the world are inside that circle. All right, so you get that, right? We understand that part, but let's take it on and think about the other things. Like, like when we start arguing over church music, like what kind of music we're going to sing. I am so glad that I just get to show up on Sunday and just get in the middle of it. And I don't have to be in the middle of the arguments that I've heard and I've had to be a part of in churches and pastoring and other places. And I'm glad we don't do that. But you know, or, or, or how we dress, you know, some people think we dress like this because I hate coats and ties. And I do hate coats and ties. You want to see me in a coat and tie come to a funeral or maybe a wedding? You don't mind seeing me in one, but you're probably not going to see me one. And really, I don't mind the coat so much, but I really hate that tie. Just hate that tie thing. But that's not why we dress like this. You know, I'm glad because, again, coat and tie thing, I mean, that, that doesn't work inside the circle. I mean, it only worked when it did work. It mostly only worked for that little place right there that we call the United States of America. And it's, isn't it silly how we do that? But, but, but think about what other filters we use. All right, now, I always try when, on Sunday morning when I feel like God wants me to be a little, of, a bit of an offender, to be an equal opportunity offender, Okay. That sometimes what we do is we look at the world through our Republican filter or our Democratic filter. We look at the world through our progressive filter 
or our conservative filter. And we need to lose the filters because we weren't called to be progressives or conservatives or Republicans or Democrats or whatever it is you call yourself. We are called to be Christian. And the only filter we should be looking through is the filter of Jesus Christ and how he views the world that we live in. Because you know what happens when we look at the world through filters? We draw lines in the sand. And that's the next thing. We got to stop drawing lines in the sand. Because you know what happens when you draw a line in the sand? You cut yourself off from someone else. You know, I believe everyone should, okay, again, I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender right here, okay? I believe everyone should earn a fair wage. You know, but you know what is more important than a man having a fair wage is a man having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe we ought to be able and allowed to pray anywhere we want to pray. But I believe, you know what's more important than an eight-year-old boy being allowed to pray in school is an eight-year-old boy being allowed to meet Jesus Christ as his Savior and live with him for eternity. You see, here's the thing. I'm going to hurry here. Bring out the next slide. We might here's the thing. is We fight a lot of good battles. But we aren't very consistently fighting the most important battle, and that's the battle of eternity. We're fighting, we're, a lot of the stuff that we fight for and that we fight about, and, and we get on social media and we, and, and, and we argue about good stuff. But the problem is we're fighting those little bitty skirmishes, and we're not fighting the major battle. And the major battle, you know, it's, it, yes, yes, it, it would be a good thing. For someone to, to work 50 years and earn a good wage for those 50 years. But the most important thing is when their 50 years are done and they retire or they die, that they spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the big battle. And what some of us, when I pause like this, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I'm saying what God wants me to say, not just being offensive, right? What some of us, if we're not careful, we're going to do is we're going to draw a line in the sand that is going to destroy our opportunity to ever reach someone for Jesus Christ because we decided to take a stand on this issue instead of taking a stand on the big issue that you need to know Jesus Christ. I mean, I get, I get people at times, they say, Pastor, why haven't you stood up about that? Well, I hadn't told you how I feel about it yet. What if I don't agree with you? Then you're going to ask me to take my post down when I write it. You know, you'd think I agree with you. But it's because, that, you know, I, I, yeah, we have to choose our battles. And we've got, we've got to decide, stop drawing lines in the sand that, that people can't cross over when they finally do want to know about Jesus Christ. So what do we do? What, what should we do? Next is we need to be an example. Okay, and I've used the word offend, offense, and like that, right? And we've heard that, right? We've heard this word, of, we've heard this thing about it, we shouldn't offend. And in these two scriptures right here, Jesus talks about not offending. And we, don't, we shouldn't offend because we should be an example. And it being an example is the opposite of being an offense. But when we, when we say being an offense, I mean, what you and I, we think about, we think of getting our feelings hurt, right? That's not what he's talking about. Read the scripture right there, Luke chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. Jesus is not talking about somebody getting their feelings hurt. All right, you know what? We need to get our feelings hurt every once in a while. 
because we're wrong. Has anybody ever been wrong? <laughs> Ladies, have you, has your husband ever been wrong? Come on, be honest with me. Maybe we'll get a little bit more truth if I just ask the ladies and for their husband, right? We're wrong and we need to be offended. We need to get our feelings hurt every once in a while. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't saying if you hurt somebody's feelings, it'd be better if you'd have a, a stone tied around your neck and thrown in the bottom of the sea. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying when you do something that causes someone to sin, that's what he's talking about. It'd be better for you to have a stone tied around your neck and thrown in the ocean than to cause someone to sin. Because we're supposed to be examples of how to follow Jesus, not how to lose out with Jesus. So here's a good question. Here's a, here's a, here's a good question. If everybody in my life followed my steps in following Jesus, would they be closer to God? Ooh. But now let's think about that a minute because I'm not talking about this hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. Yeah, if everybody got up and came to church with me on Sunday, they'd be a lot better off. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about those other 167 hours after you get out of this hour of service. What about those others? Like the way we treat other people or the way we talk to other people or the way we talk about other people. Come on, y'all better say amen or I'm going to stay here a while. <laughs> right? Or how about our work ethic? Work ethic? Why you got to bring that up on a Sunday morning? God does, yeah, God does care about that. If you don't know that, I don't have time to discuss it right now. But if you want to know, ask me. I'll have that discussion with you, and I'll show you where the Bible says that if you're going to receive an honest day's pay, you need to give an honest day's pay. Or what about, let me, let me just wrap this up real quick. What about our downtime? What about our recreational time? What about our entertainment choices? Uh-oh. If everyone followed in the steps that I walk, would they be closer to Jesus or not? That's the question we need to ask. Because if we're going to be the church, if this is as serious as pastor is making it out to be, that Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for people who are ready for him, then, then what is it that we need to be doing? We need to be an example of following Jesus. I'm going to try to run through these next two pretty quick. What's the next one? Keep ourselves full of God. Um, there's a great scripture there, and I've got it in the sermon notes there on the Connect page, church2911.com slash connect. Great scripture story there. Jesus is laying it out for us. Be full of God. Like, be full of his power. Be full of passion. Be full of, be full of fire. Be full and stay full. Let me, let me ask you this question. I, I have people say, well, do you have to read the Bible every day? Let me ask, do you read every day? Do you read something every day? Yes. And the bad thing is, is now we got all this social media junk out there, right, that we read. So let me ask you, how in the world do I keep myself full of God when I am filling my mind with all this other stuff that I read all day long and I only read God's Word once or twice a week? How am I going to do that? I mean, I've got to make up my mind. If I'm going to stay full of God, then I'm going to have to decide to add some God into my everyday life and things. Or, or here's the next one is, is uh, to be all in, supporting ministry with our time and our talent and our tithes. Be all in. I mean, if this is really as serious as, as I think I'm making it out to be, as, as Jesus makes it out to be, if this is as serious as we think it is, then I need to be all in here. I need to say, wait a minute. I need to be adding something here. I need to be doing what I can to support this. 
Oh, but man, we've got too many other things going on, don't we? I mean, I, I you know, I got a house to build, or I've got, I've got a, a, a job, or, a, or I've, I've got a, a business that I'm trying to establish and I'm trying to plan, or I've got this to do and this to do and this to do. And we do all these things, and again, we miss the important battle. We miss the important thing. Important. I, I, I heard a long, 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 long time ago, I don't remember who said it first, but as Christians, when it comes to the return of Christ, we need to be ready to go and prepared to stay. But a lot of times the problem is we spend so much time being prepared to stay, we don't do anything about helping people get ready to go. So we've got to make sure, be all in support. Lastly, let's make it about the next person who needs to meet Jesus. If this is really as serious as we're talking about, being ready when Jesus comes or not being ready, not being able to go with him, why is that important? Man, that long list of how bad things are in the world today, that's with the church here. Man, when Christians leave, when Jesus comes back and takes Christians, man, what's it going to be like then? I don't want to be here. And I don't want any of my friends to be here. Don't want any of my family to be here. Definitely don't want any of my kids or my grandkids to be here. This is serious business. Let's ask a question. I asked it a little differently a few moments ago. Let's ask, this, ask it this way now. We're talking about those steps. Let's ask this about this. If every Christian, let's just say in America, if every Christian was as serious about helping people meet Jesus as I am, and did as much as I have done in the last five years, what would the state of the church look like in the United States of America today? If, if, if everybody did what I did, if everybody invited as many people as I invited, if everybody prayed for people to come to know Jesus like I pray for people, what would the state? We've got to answer some of those questions. Let me, let me give you an example, I think, I think maybe to help us pull it together right here, Okay. Imagine this afternoon, you get home, you have your big meal, maybe you go out to eat or whatever, you get home, maybe you got things to do before you get home, but before that storm comes in, you know, you kind of get home, batting down the hatches and everything, you got the TV on, and there's a knock at the door. You go to the door, there's six pinstripe suits standing there with, with, with ties, obviously people who don't mind wearing ties, right? And so six guys there, and they've got briefcases, they say, we're from such and such, they name the, the attorney firm that they're with, the law firm they're with, and uh, we have to talk to you about an inheritance issue that is going to mean a lot of money to you. And I know you're a little hesitant about it, but once they say that, you're like, well, come on in. Like, can I get you some iced tea, right? And so you all sit down around the dining room table, and so they open up the briefcases, and they start laying out these papers, and they say, here's what's happened. Recently, a will was discovered that no one knew existed from Walt Disney. And he has bequeathed to you all of his properties in the Orlando, Florida area. You own every park, you own every resort, you own every hotel and hotel room. Now, we have some obligations to people who have bought some things, and, and we've got some things we need to fix. But he's also set up a trust fund where you'll never have to pay a dime for utilities or you'll never have to pay a dime for any kind of uh, work that needs to be done there. Food will always be there all you want and staff will always be there because there's a trust fund set up. But as soon as we get all of these obligations taken care of and we get some things fixed, we're going to send a, an airplane for you. All you have to do is drive over to the Birmingham airport and get on the plane. That's all you have to do. And from then on, your life will just be, I mean, you'll just have one long 
lifelong vacation, never ending, forever, just vacation, do all you want to. Now, what do you do that afternoon? Do you, say, do you make, start making phone calls about, about that addition you're starting to add to the house? No, you're not thinking about that addition anymore. You buying that tractor that you were thinking? No, you're not buying that tractor anymore. You buying, no, you're not doing any of those things. As a matter of fact, you're telling all the family. Oh, and by the way, and all your family gets to come with you. Uh, uh, and you don't get to choose the ones that you want to leave behind, okay? All your family gets to come with you. All right. So, so what do you start doing? You start getting ready to go. You don't keep making plans and preparations to stay you start making plans to go. But we got to take this on. Y'all know where I'm going with this, right? Y'all figure this one out? I mean, this one's pretty simple, right? This is real, real elementary, okay? You got that one? But what do we also not do? Do we also not think, no, wait a minute. There's a whole lot of hotel rooms down there. Those parks are huge. And I, I, I don't want to just keep this all to me. I got a lot of friends that I want to see go. But the only way I can get them to go is they said only my family can go. So you know what I got to do? I got to find a way to get them adopted into the family. I got to find a way to help them find, to get over there to the airport, to get on that jet, to get on that plane, to get on that free ride that is coming so they can be a part of this too. And what would you do? I mean, this is so far-fetched. I know some of you are thinking, oh yeah, please uh, let it be, right? But I know, this is so far-fetched. But still, what would you do? Maybe the question should be, what would you not do for the people around you? And you know what? If we believe this is as serious as I and I believe Jesus is making it out to be, what would we not do? Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.